Hey, everybody. Welcome to Passing Judgment, a podcast about politics and the law and a lot of things in between. And you can hear the excitement in my voice. We have breaking Supreme Court news. I am, as ever, a Supreme Court nerd, and I am so excited that I have a podcast where I get to talk about these things with my friend and co-host, Joe Armstrong. Joe, welcome. Hey, Jessica. Yes, lovely to talk to you. We'd already had a really big week on our podcast this week, Passing Judgment. We talked with Dr. Molly Reynolds earlier this week about the life and times of the filibuster and a lot of interesting things got filled in for me there. And then yesterday's episode with Representative Norma Torres and her harrowing description of her experience during the Capitol insurrection on January 6th. I thought we were done for the week, Jessica. And then I got a text from you last night with some breaking Supreme Court news. As you said, you're a nerd in this, so I can't wait to hear your nerdery. We decided the nerdery was sufficient enough that uh, we should do an episode to talk about it. So were the nine justices burning the midnight oil last night? And why did that come out on a Friday night? Yes. Well, one, thank you for not blocking my text. And two, what is going on here? California has prohibitions and restrictions in place dealing with, this is not news to anybody, what we can do during a pandemic. So we're all living with this all the time. You know, what is capacity in a restaurant? Can we go to a playground? And churches and houses of worship are not immune from these restrictions. So California had restrictions in place that in some places prohibited indoor services in churches, limited capacity in other situations, and prohibited singing or chanting during services. And the churches sued and they said, no, you're trampling on my religious rights here. I know, California, that you say you're doing this in order to protect health and safety, but you have to look. There's something on the other side of the scale, and that's religious freedom. And so the church is sued. The reason that this is a burning the midnight oil decision is because it came to the Supreme Court as basically an emergency appeal, saying to the Supreme Court, we need your help. You have to do something immediately. You have to vindicate our religious rights. And what the church got was really a mixed bag. So the Supreme Court said, okay, that ban on indoor services that's not okay. That flies in the face of First Amendment freedom of religion. But the limit on capacity, saying that you can only limit capacity indoors to 25%, uh, the prohibition on singing or chanting, because we know that COVID-19 is aerosolized, that those are okay. So punchline, the church won some and they lost some. All right. So some changes are going to be afoot on your Sunday services or whenever you attend your services. So how did the various judges rule on this, Jessica? How long do we have? So this is the definition of a splinter decision. As everybody who's listening to this podcast knows, we have nine Supreme Court justices. There were five different opinions here. So briefly, what happened? Uh, Thomas, Justice Thomas and Justice Gorsuch would have essentially granted everything that the church has asked for. So they would have said no restrictions, no prohibition on indoor services, no capacity restrictions, and no ban on indoor singing or chanting. Justice Alito would have done almost that, but he basically would have said, California, you have 30 days 
to prove your case. So Justice Alito would have let the restrictions stay for 30 more days, and then they would have ended unless California could have proved up that this was necessary. Then we have the Chief Justice, John Roberts, Justice Kavanaugh, and Justice Barrett. And this is actually Justice Barrett's first signed opinion. And they say, we're not going to block the ban on indoor singing and chanting at this time. And Barrett basically says churches didn't prove that they were entitled to relief from the ban on singing or chanting. But she's worried, and you can see this in the short opinion, she's worried that the ban doesn't apply evenly to all places in California, meaning are you treating houses of worship the same as secular places? And then finally, we have the three liberal justices, Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor, and Justice Kagan, and they would have rejected in full the church's challenge. So we have the two extremes. On the one side, we have two justices that would have given the church everything that it asked for. On the other side, we have three justices who would have uh, rejected in whole what the church asked for. All right, Jessica, thank you for clearing that up. Now, as we all know, the Supreme Court currently has a very strong conservative lean. What did the conservative majority taken together say? Yeah, basically, the conservative majority says California's restrictions are just too burdensome on religious freedom. They're not justified by the public health interests here. And you see the justices worrying that California is treating houses of worship more harshly than they're treating secular spaces or secular industries. For instance, you see the justices saying, well, is it okay to sing on a closed film set, but not in a church? And that, again, is a lot of what we want to look to whenever we see a religious freedom case, which is, are you treating every space the same way? Or have you singled out houses of worship for harsher treatment? And I think that the conservative majority was very worried about singling out houses of worship for harsher treatment. And what about the conservative concurrence or dissent and Chief Justice Roberts? What did he have to say? So Chief Justice Roberts, as he so often has and likely will, tries to tread this middle ground. And he says, you can't totally ban indoor worship, but you can place reasonable restrictions on capacity and singing or chanting. So the chief justice is saying, look, we have to give political actors who are accountable to the public, meaning not people who act like and play uh, roles as politicians, but political actors, meaning the governor, meaning even unelected people like a public health official. We have to give them some deference here. But we don't have to give them 100% deference. There's still a role for us to play. So as ever, the chief justice kind of grasping at some middle ground here. Okay, Jessica, and on the other side, what did the liberal dissent say? You know, we know that religious rights are indeed very important, but I myself am a little bit stunned that the current raging pandemic wasn't taken more into consideration. Should I be stunned by this? Am I crazy here? That Are you crazy is a separate question, Joe, but uh, should you be stunned? No. I mean, Justice Kagan really starts her opinion by saying justices are not scientists. And she says, in fact, there is a raging pandemic. She describes this as the worst public health crisis in a century. And she says this foray into armchair epidemia. Sorry, three, two, one. 
And she says, quote, this foray into armchair epidemiology cannot end well. The other thing Justice Kagan says here is that they're basically Supreme Court justices insulated from being accountable. So she says, you know, look, we're not going to be the ones who pay the price for this decision. We have lifetime appointment. We actually haven't even been uh, live. We haven't had indoor hearings since the pandemic began. And she says, quote, our marble halls are now closed to the public and our life tenure insulates us from the responsibility of our heirs. That would seem good reason to avoid disrupting a state's pandemic response. But the court forges ahead regardless, insisting that science-based policy yield to judicial edict. These are harsh words from Justice Kagan. And again, it shows that we have a difference of opinion here. The conservative justice is saying, we have a significant role to play in upholding religious freedom. The liberal justice is saying, we have a significant role to play in saying public health experts, you should be given deference to do what you need to do. Oh boy, Jessica, it seems like a pandemic is a lovely time to kick the science versus religion bear. I personally would like to stay clear of the entrance of the cave at that point. So also, Jessica, in this case, I heard the phrase shadow docket bouncing around, which to me sounds like some kind of CIA uh, Jack Ryan spycraft note passed under the table while feeding the birds at the lake kind of situation. Can you please explain what a shadow docket is and why it's relevant to this particular case? That was so vivid, Joe. Uh, yes. So I don't know if we've ever used the words shadow docket on the podcast before, but it is becoming increasingly important. And it refers to emergency orders or so-called summary decisions, meaning decisions where the court doesn't really say why it did what it did that happens separate and apart from the court's main docket of cases. The main docket of cases are cases that are appealed to the Supreme Court. The court decides to accept those cases. There's a full briefing from all of the parties, and then they either come in for oral arguments or now they have oral arguments over the phone. The shadow docket deals with cases that are basically emergency appealed straight to the Supreme Court, people who ask for emergency relief. And there should be a different standard for parties that apply for emergency relief, a higher standard, a higher threshold. But what I notice about the decision is that the court didn't really acknowledge that this is a request for emergency relief and didn't really require that the church prove more, even though they should. So the Supreme Court was asked to issue an injunction here, and they're supposed to ask more than just is the church likely to win on the merits? They're supposed to look at the equities and say, do we have to make a decision right now on this? So this is a long way of saying, listeners, look for us using the term shadow docket more often and look for the court using the shadow docket to make more law in the future. I think it's only going to become more and more important. Important enough for a Friday night decision, I suppose. So, Jessica, where does all of this leave us? What changes here practically in the pews on Sunday mornings? Yeah, well, where this leaves us, first of all, is that we know that this conservative court is moving to the right. There's just no question about it. This is a court that is now explaining to us where the permissible line is between religious freedom and public health. And that's a line that looks different than it did in the beginning of September, when uh, Justice Ginsburg was still on the court before she passed away, and when Chief Justice 
John Roberts, I think, was joining with liberals more often on these COVID restrictions. So this is a court that's more worried about religious freedom and more suspicious of state public health regulations than uh, the court that we knew, again, about six months ago. Um, So this is absolutely, we have a very conservative majority here, and they are saying very clearly, we have a role to play in making these decisions. Again, the, the conservative majority would say, we're vindicating religious freedom. It's in the Constitution, it's in the First Amendment, and this is our role as judges. So again, the composition of the court matters, and this is another signal that we have a very conservative court, and we will for, uh, I expect, a very long time. Okay, Jessica, one more question before I allow you and everyone else to get back to their weekends already in progress. This decision is specific to California, but does it have an impact on other states in any way? Is this gonna, are there going to be like an echo chamber kind of situation? Are there, uh, is there more fallout to come in other states? Yes, because it's a decision that's based on the First Amendment, that's based on the Constitution, it would have implications for other states. So it it can't just be that the First Amendment applies in one way in California and in another way in New York. And Joe, that's why when we talked about there was another similar decision out of New York, we knew that it would have implications nationwide. Now, every state is somewhat different in terms of how they're handling the pandemic, how bad the numbers are in terms of case numbers and hospitalizations. And I think, you know, all the justices would acknowledge that you have to have different solutions for different problems. But again, this is a constitutional decision one based on emergency relief, but it is based on the First Amendment, and therefore it would apply nationwide. Okay, Jessica, thank you so very much, as always, for clearing all those things up. I'm glad we decided to do this. It certainly cleared some things up for me. And now, everyone, we return you to your regularly scheduled snow shoveling, binge watching, and mask making of the pandemic in early 2021. Have a good day, everybody. 